is Sober Reference. You're listening to A Sober Story, digestible conversations filled with evidence that you can do anything without picking up a drink. We share more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com, and hope you'll connect with us on social media. Search Sober Reference now and look for our logo. For more information about today's guest, visit our show notes. We hope you find this content valuable and leave feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. Enjoy. So excited. So as I shared with you, I'm in the kind of corporate world. I work with clients. I have people that I report to. I'm I'm more more or less, you know, while I've been having my own business, I'm in that nine to five sort of like structure. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, I am stepping into a full-time role in the near future, which is kind of a big transition for me from the sense that like, I'm going back to having like an actual boss. So this topic that you have let me in on of your own experiences that you've been in the corporate world for 20 plus years. And Mm -hmm. now I'm curious to hear from you about your experience with alcohol in the corporate world, whether you've had a season of sobriety in that corporate world and some of the things that like, I don't know, you thought alcohol gave you within that experience or like helped you to succeed within that experience. Cause I want to talk to perhaps the person who is in, you know, the corporate world or career oriented and finds that maybe they're questioning their relationship with alcohol. And at the same time, they're like, but don't I need this to succeed in some way? Like, I know those questions used to cross my mind. So let's talk to that person today. First, tell me about your experience in the corporate world and what your drinking is like. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks, Louise. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, It's great to be here. So absolutely, you know, if I look back even four, three or four years ago, there was no way I would have be alcohol free being in the corporate world. Um, I started in the city in London, like 20 plus years ago. And I think the culture then was very much around drinking so any sort of team social or any client dinner or it just felt you know even after work we'll get on a Thursday thirsty Thursday you'd go to you know you'd go for a drink on a Thursday there was a new Friday so you'd go for a drink on a Thursday because then people wanted a life and had a life on on the weekend and so didn't want to socialize with their work colleagues on the weekend but you'd um you know it, it felt like that was just the norm and I think that's what everyone experiences. The majority of people, you sort of go to university, you you know, you have Freshers Week in the UK, which is all about introducing you to alcohol. You have lots of alcohol in that first week in university, sort of getting into the you know swing of it. I think you people thought, or I thought, it gave me confidence. It made me more fun. It helped me deal with stressful days. Any social events, networking events, that I went to I always felt like I needed a drink to sort of give myself a bit of Dutch courage and so yeah it's always been part of that world and I did a stint um, many years ago now I suppose um, in Canary Wharf in the investment banking sort of world and that just seems crazy at the time it's so different now it's very different now but at that point before the 2008 crisis it was uh, it was a very different world and so drinking was just something that people did really and um, from that perspective when I stopped drinking that was probably one of my biggest sort of fears or thoughts because I didn't really know 
what it would be like. And I stopped during COVID. So we were in sort of lockdown. But I remember the first team dinner I went to and everyone I'd been in the company for quite a while, you know, for many years at that point. And so everyone knew me for wanting, you know, having a gin and tonic, having a glass of fizz, uh, like champagne or whatever. And that was my sort of go to. And so I was going to this. I hadn't said anything to anyone either. <laughs> so I sort of showed up at this dinner and I knew in my head what I was going toward. Or I'd sort of planned it in advance and checked with the you know, checked with the restaurant what they had. And so I sort of had a game plan, but it was probably the most nervous I felt going into that environment and thinking, well, this is what everyone knows me for. And that was my identity. Um, and as soon as I met someone, I'll get you a gin and tonic. No, I'm not. I'm not going to have one of those. <laughs> I'll have an alcohol free one, but I'm not going to have a real one. And, you know, the shock on people's faces, I think they thought something had happened during COVID and it, I'd hit rock bottom. And that was far from the truth. Um, but people jumped to a lot of conclusions and, and when you say you're not drinking. So it was either that or I was pregnant and neither was the case. So, <laughs> so that was my experience. So tell me about that, because I think that is also a fear, right, especially as a high performing, successful, like outwardly put together person. I know for me, when I decided to stop drinking, not it wasn't even the um, the people around me so much, but it was my immediate family were shocked. They were just like, what? Like they they were shocked. Um, so I also kind of had an experience like you did where there was not necessarily this outward set of consequences that made me stop drinking. Although there were, for me, a significant number of internal consequences that got me to the point to decide I'm not going to drink anymore. How mm. did you manage that transition? The, what are people going to think of me? Um, do you end up telling some people why you made that choice? Or would you tell us today, why did you make that choice? Yeah, so it was it was really interesting. So as I said, I was never planning on stopping drinking for the length of time. I've, I've been alcohol free for 27, 28 months, something like that. So over over two, well over two years now. And that was never the intention. So I had got to the point where I realized I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. It had become a habit. It was something that it was just a go-to. It was something that I would just do. And I knew I wasn't really enjoying it. It wasn't really serving. I was a bit fed up with how I felt the next morning, you know, with a bit of a foggy head and not really feeling like I was completely on par with everything on days I did drink. And you just think, why am I doing this to myself? And so it got to, and, and with COVID and everything else, it was obviously a very strange time and I think you ended up drinking more during Covid just because it was something to do and by the end of the day you're sort of like right I've been on Zoom calls from 7am to 7pm and I, I just need to switch off and that was my sort of that was my go-to so I got to November 2020 and there was sort of fast happening I suppose that at my church where people were giving something up for 21 days so I said I will give up and I thought I was giving up and I don't like that phrase anymore because you're not giving anything up you're only gaining um, but I said I'm going to stop drinking and I'll do that for 21 days and I've tried you know your dry Januaries and your Lents and other things where it's, you're going to stop for you know 30 days 40 days whatever I generally get to the first week end of the first week and I'm like well it's the weekend so maybe I just won't drink in the week 
and I'll drink on the weekend then before you know it's sort of Thursday night oh well I'll have it and, and it's gone and you're just not you know it's not something that ever stuck because why would it you know it just didn't so I was going through these 21 days and little things happened that made me really think gosh I feel like I'm being pushed in a direction to maybe keep this going I found a podcast which I'd never come across and listened to that and I was like oh my goodness people are choosing not to drink what's that about uh that was quite surreal to me why would you choose not to drink um, but then they were all talking about this pink clouds and this wonderful life they had and they were all achieving all these things and I'm thinking what well, I don't understand how's this happening you know well, what's this about and then I met a bit of a community joined a, a community and went on a couple of zooms and realized actually this is this could be quite fun this could be it's not actually when you're you know sober you're boring and it's not you know people actually do have a life and the strangest thing for me was I didn't really know about alcohol-free drinks so so for the first two weeks of that sort of 21 days I was literally drinking water coffee and teas and that was it like herbal teas (laughs) and I was thinking this is all a bit dull you know I'm not really enjoying this and I think listening to the podcast, they mentioned alcohol-free drinks. And I re- I remembered that I'd been given a bottle of alcohol-free fizz in the summer. And I'd literally taken it and said, thank you very much, rolled my eyes at my husband and stuffed it in the cupboard. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not drinking that. Why on earth have they come in and brought me an alcohol-free fizz? But little did I know, it had rave reviews. It was meant to be really nice. And I had a girl's zoom we were doing a sort of girls night on zoom and everyone was drinking you knew everyone was going to be drinking fizz because that's what we did and so I poured a glass of this alcohol free stuff and tasted it I thought actually it's not too bad and oh and I hadn't mentioned it to any of my friends so on camera it just looked like I was drinking with everyone else and so anyway long story short it got to 21 days and I said, okay, I'll try and get to the 30 days. At least I've done the 30 days. And then talking to people, I thought, okay, I'll get to 60 days. And then it was nice. So it was really step by step. I didn't by in any way think this is going to be my forever thing or this is going to be something I'm going to be passionate about as I am now and wanting to help other people see the light as well. Um, but it, it was just a gradual thing. But the biggest thing for me was really realising what my why was. And then also learning tools and techniques and having resources that just help me realise I can get through this and I can do this and I don't have to drink. There's an alternative to it. Um, And then I started just, yeah, just doing various things. I became trained as a coach. I started running. I did yoga. I started, started doing yoga. I just found lots of passions and hobbies and all in all, it, it ends up being a great thing to do. So that's my story. Oh, that's amazing. I, a couple of things. First, I want to just note that end point, which is you gave up one thing and you gained so many things. Like you said before, I don't like the term giving up. It's really like making space, like clearing yeah. room for new adventure, new discovery, new passion, like all the energy, the time, the clarity that we get I mean it really is a beautiful awakening and opening if we really um want to look at it that way if we choose to look at it that way mm-hmm. oh so I love hearing that and then another thing that I, I want to play like a little game with you 
because a couple of thoughts are popping into my head right about this high achieving person that's in the corporate world and everyone knows that they're down for a fun drink or a glass of fizz here and there and they go to the corporate happy hours and I think for me especially as like a high achieving people pleaser who is essentially like taught to appear as perfect as possible on the outside <laughs> you know the thought in my head was people are going to think that I don't have my shit together or that something got way something got way out of control and mm. or whatever like I've just really got concerned about what people would think of me. Um, mm. That was one of my barriers to sobriety. And mm. I would like to hear from your perspective and from the perspective of a sobriety coach, a sobriety advocate, and someone who has walked that specific path themselves. What mm. kind of myth buster would you tell someone who's sharing with you? I'm just, I'm so scared that everyone's going to judge me and they're all going to think that I'm secretly like, just like really riddled inside and I have like just I'm maybe I just have so much that I'm hiding and they don't really know me what would you say to that person based on your experience and what you know to be true it's it's absolutely a fear uh, that is real for people and stepping back from it and being where I am now I actually realized I had quite a lot of anxiety about around um you know work and being the best and always wanting to do my best and you know be achieving and all the rest of it and um and alcohol is a depressant ultimately and it exacerbates anxiety and stress and depression and for me as I sort of had more and more days without alcohol I suddenly realized I wasn't as anxious I'd wake up on Sunday night I'd get Sunday Sunday nights and I'd be dreading work I'd be thinking oh my goodness you know I need to I've got this week ahead and I've got to perform and I've got to be on it and then Monday morning you're sort of it was just always this sort of nervous energy um, and that completely disappeared and so I think it's sort of an anxiety fear thing. And, and you do, you do, everyone cares about what people think. You, you, people say, who say they don't care, they're lying. You know, everyone cares. But ultimately people are never really thinking about you. That's the thing. Everyone's thinking about themselves. So as much as you think people are questioning you or thinking about you or wondering whether you've got your shit together, they're not. They don't really care. <laughs> you're worrying about their own shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, I'd say to that person, and and the biggest one for me, I think, is when you when you meet people and they and you, they ask you, well, why why don't you drink? And I always say you can come up with any reason, and the likelihood is, once they've had a drink, they'll forget that you're not drinking and they'll move on anyway or if you quickly change the subject to them they'll be quite happy to talk about themselves and you've just sort of you know parked it and you never actually need to say anything you know you don't have to give an answer or you can fib and you can say I'm on antibiotics or I'm you know whatever it is whatever you feel comfortable saying there's no pressure and ultimately people really aren't thinking about you as much as you think people are so um yeah Oh, I love, I can like, I feel the coach in you. You just have this like soft way of calming that like scared little ego of mind and bringing it back down to reality. Because what you're saying is like, you know, just remember that people have a lot going on in their lives and they're not thinking about you as much as you're thinking they are. Another thing that mm -hmm. I've 
I consider in these moments is how short people's attention spans are. We live in this world where we're literally conditioned and constantly searching for the next thing to excite us, which essentially means we're, we're very distracted creatures. And when I narrow it down to this, this concept, which is that, am I willing to let what someone might consider me for three seconds, which is like the length of their attention span, am I willing to let that three seconds stand in the way of the rest of my life so and what's good. possible for me? Yeah. And that, you know, that makes me go, whoa, I, now I know what's at stake here. You know, like we're not playing apples to orange. Like we're not playing with even with even cards. We're playing with you've got nothing and I've got a whole deck in my hand. But I love hearing it kind of from your perspective of just, you know, like you really do like <laughs> you're so calming and gentle. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> yeah, I just really enjoyed that. I just sat back <laughs> and listened and I let it like just wave over me and what you reminded me as well is that in this journey of sobriety so much of that perfectionism and that people pleaser that I spoke about that I had experienced so dramatically has faded and has softened in this experience because again sobriety is the catalyst it taught me that people don't care so much it taught me that being different and unique is actually a gift and it taught me that my perspective which originally was that drinking would maybe hinder my career or disable my ability to connect with people is actually not right. And that I actually am, it's possible that I'm not right about a lot of things. And if I'm willing to go out and gather the evidence, like research a little bit about like what other things might be true, what other things might I be wrong about, you know, like I can, I can be surprised and I I can, you know, for me, that surprise, the surprise of how little I know has really created a much more joyful a much easier life um, Mm -hmm. where I'm not so worried about the perfectionism and like having to have it all together. You know, I certainly still struggle with that. Like it's going to be there and I'm, and I will always be working on it, but oh my gosh, it's so much nicer to let myself be imperfect. And I think that the question I want to end with. Perfect. There's no such thing as perfect, right? We're all making progress every day. So I always say progress over perfection. That's the way to think about it. Yeah. And I think it's so important to have people in your on your side or in your community, whether it's a coach or a community or a friend that just speaks that language to you and like affirms stuff. I mean, for me in my first year of sobriety, especially, and I'm so glad that I got connected, like really connected to just a handful of people who were sober that were like my sounding board for when that scared little ego perfectionism popped back up and was like, oh no, I must run. I must be safe. I must people please. So I just want to plug for like coaches and communities and stuff like that, especially for, you know, new sobriety. And I I, want to end on this question because you've kind of piqued my interest, which is, you know, you shared your concept of it's not a giving up. It's a, it's about getting sobriety is about getting and receiving. And then you that's spoken about running and yoga. Can you just spend a minute or two highlighting some of the things that you've done in your sobriety that you're grateful for, that you're glad you've experienced? Give us an, a picture for that person who's listening that's thinking, maybe I do want to be sober about what's possible, what you've experienced. Yeah, of course. My main thing is running and yoga. And I think together, they're just so good for your mental and physical health and they've just been a game changer for me so 
I used to do I used to try to do yoga and I'd be the one that would do the odd class and then I'd be giggling halfway through and I couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus, didn't get it, didn't really understand what it was all about. And then I'd look at people and they'd be really into it. And past two years, I've probably been practicing yoga every evening and I love it. I love that sort of space. Just that's that's my decompression and my my time. And I love that. And the other thing is running. And I hadn't run since school. So we're talking sort of 25 years, 25 years ago when I was when I stopped drinking. And I remembered how much I loved running. And so I thought, I'm going to try. I'm going to just try it. And and I did. And I started running. And within it, well, a year later, I, I ran my first half marathon. I've just done my third half marathon and I'm run I'm running the London marathon in April. So in two well, two years ago I probably started running and to have achieved all of that, to be doing that, the fact I'm running a marathon is bad. I just, as I said, I haven't run 25 years. And I'm now, I can now call myself a runner again, I I suppose. But that's probably one of my main things. And then I think from a personal growth perspective, it's been massive to your point you know all the beliefs and all the things you think you can't do I really think being alcohol free is just a superpower and it makes you brave and it makes you curious and you think well why not I'm going to try it and to your point earlier you have all this time that you suddenly find and well why not use it and so I've been reading lots I've been listening to podcasts I've been doing courses I've obviously trained to be I, you know, transformational coach, and then I trained to be a sober coach. So I had that sort of speciality as well. And it's just the learning and the growing and then self-care, gratitude lists are so important to me, journaling, all of that stuff. So I feel like holistically, it's not just work and family. There's so much more to life and all those things in our coming together and making sense and and I'm able to enjoy them a lot more. Oh, yeah. It's the ability to connect all those dots, to follow through on the things that perhaps in the past got pushed aside just or for the glass of, instead you just picked up a glass of wine. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm tired. It's 6 p.m. Let's have a glass of wine. And yeah. then, you know, you watch a TV show and then you go to bed, but now maybe you do a yoga and you journal a little bit and Maybe you also watch a TV show and do something else. That I, I still watch some TV. <laughs> but it's just, you know, the the idea that uh, yeah, your life has opened up and it, you have a more holistic experience now. Yeah. Um, and just I know that the listeners can't see it, but you have a glow about you and you have a, such a lovely presence about you. And it really shines through that you have a holistic experience and that you take care of yourself, you know, that so much so that you've made yourself available for other people because it takes you know, a, a, a strong, intentional, and well-cared-for person to care for other people well. And so you've made yourself available to train to do that and now open up your own space and time to do that for other people. And it's just so inspiring. Um, you know, it it's it almost move, it can move me to tears, the fact that, that you've given yourself, you now feel the sort of responsibility or calling or desire to give other people. And that mm-hmm. is a deeply profound thing. It's, it's so deeply profound yeah. to have that sort of a movement inside of you. Something changed so fundamentally your life that you you can't help but want to give it away to more people. It's a really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. 
So thank you for sharing your experience oh, with us. You. Yeah. And, oh, thank you, Louise. I really appreciate that. And I and I do feel I am on a bit of a mission because I really think high achieving women, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, but we also hold ourselves back. And I think it's it, it's alcohol that's probably part of the problem because it doesn't allow you to have the full confidence and the full authenticity to just go for it and be yourself and do what you want to do and we only have one life so for me you want to experience as much of that life as you can and taking this one thing just get rid of getting rid and I say it's so blase it isn't it's hard it's a hard thing to do for a lot of people it's not that easy to stop but getting rid of this one thing can fundamentally change your life and that's you know, and that's what then leads to you thriving. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping others to do the same and see see the same things and and want to at least give it a go and see what happens for them. Yeah, yeah. We're we're totally speaking to me seven years ago that who was like, I know I have more potential in me than I'm currently experiencing. And I was like soul hungry for more, whatever that meant. And you know, so yeah, I'm just like. I really, I believe that this episode will find someone who is like me seven years ago, who is like you a few years ago, and just, you know, is like ready to meet themselves fully, which is such a beautiful thing. So really yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So lovely to speak. Thanks for listening to Sober Reference. We hope you found this content valuable and are leaving feeling inspired to drink less, live more and meet your potential. You can find more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com. We hope that you'll connect with us on social media, search Sober Reference now, and look for our logo. Great job taking in sober positive content today. Until next time, this is Sober Reference, and we are so glad that you're here.